Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out www.nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to be on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've taken to calling it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Miami, Florida, my guest is a lawyer, writer, podcaster, and teacher. He has a book called Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. The audiobook version of that is being released the day after tomorrow, on Friday, June 2nd. He also hosts the Break the Business podcast and has represented chart-topping hitmakers and up-and-coming musicians alike. Although he's not a professional musician, for fun, he does play guitar and ukulele. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Ryan Carella. Hi, Bruce. Great to be here. Hi, Ryan. Welcome to the show. Thanks for making time to do this. Of course, it's my pleasure. Glad to speak with you. Listeners, keep something handy to jot down a couple of other episodes of this show that I'm going to refer you to because they complement what Ryan and I will be doing on this episode. So stand by for those. In the meantime, first, Ryan... Let's start with just a general overview of your book, and eventually we'll we'll try to get to some of the specifics, but there's a lot of ground I'd like to cover with you. So, Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. I mentioned in the intro that you're not a musician, so what inspired you to write the book? Well, what inspired me was working with so many fantastic musicians in my own legal practice. And when I started getting into music law, one of the first things I found myself doing was getting these record contracts from clients that would come to me and say, I have this document that, you know, once I sign it, it's supposed to change my life. Can you take a look at it and just make sure there's no pitfalls in there so that I can sign it and go become a multimillionaire? <laughs> and without fail, every contract I've ever read in the realm of exclusive recording agreements has been a nightmare. Mm. I have yet to review one record deal that I could ever advise a client to sign. Wow. And after just reading one of these after the other, I finally just reached my own conclusion that there's something dreadfully wrong with how this industry is built. And when I have worked with so many independent musicians who have taken advantage of today's technology uh, to take control of their music creation, promotion, distribution, and fundraising in such a way that they can achieve success without a record label exploiting them, I wanted to do what I could to spread that message. So I wrote the Break the Business book, and the first part of it sort of outlines in lay terms the dangers of record contracts and how they can you know, mess up your career, mess right. up your life. Right. And then the other half of it is I interviewed you know, some fantastic independent artists and found out how they've used modern technology to take control of their careers and achieve success on their own terms. Well, and, and forgive me, as the listeners know, those who have been with me for so long, and, and thank you as always, um, 
I am someone that takes things very literally. So I'm just curious when you say that after looking through so, so many contracts and not finding a one that you really didn't have too much problem with, are you just kind of generalizing or, or do you on Can you honestly say, no, Bruce, every single one, I just never, I always saw things that just kind of made me scratch my head and my eyes get wide. I don't hyperbolize Bruce. And, uh, <laughs> In my line of work, we deal with facts. We deal with, and I have to be straightforward with my clients and I have to be honest with them. I have a professional obligation to do those things. And when I see agreements, and I know there are a lot of artists out there who have record deals, and maybe you have some listeners who work on the label side of the industry. And believe me, I haven't made a lot of friends <laughs> from on the label side after I wrote this book. I'm not as, I get a lot of side eye at the cocktail parties, but- what it comes but what it comes down to is this basic idea that in this industry there is such a premium on interacting with other musicians on collaborating on creating as much as you can because there's so much music out there that you need to hyper create as i call it to cut through the clutter and all of that is not conducive to signing a record contract in which you allow another organization a, a label to tell you when to record, how to record, with whom you can record, and whether you're even allowed to record at all. The label you know, just can always just decide yeah. to put your recordings on the shelf and yeah. you're effectively done in the music business because they're the only people you can record with. And all of that it just doesn't work with what you have to do now to succeed in the music business, which is collaborate, 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 create, create, create. And I haven't even begun to talk about all of the other destructive aspects of record deals, low royalty rates, 360 provisions, cross-collateralization clauses, it's a mess. I, I love that you're talking about collaboration because listeners, as you know, we do talk about that in a very uh, pro-collaborative way on this show. But Ryan, has it, has it actually made it more difficult from a legal standpoint now that and, and we've had people on the show who have talked about, gee, I ended up finding this person on Facebook or on or an insert uh, platform here, and we've been collaborating, and, and we're talking about people from different countries. So, does the fact that all of a sudden you're doing a co-write or you're or you're doing some sort of collaborative project together with someone internationally, does that all of a sudden make things even more difficult legally, or is it, you know, well, Bruce, it's, you know, it's a little different, but it's not overwhelming. Well. If you're asking if there's still going to be a place for lawyers like me in the new music <laughs> industry, I'm happy to say yes. I actually gave a talk at NAM back last January where a listener, where uh, one of the people listening to the talk actually asked me a similar question that said, if you're just getting rid of record deals, aren't you effectively putting yourself out of business? And I said, no, no. artists are still going to create. The only difference is now instead of just looking at record deals all day, I get to look at all these other business transactions that artists are going to have to do when they're their own bosses. Absolutely. Instead of just being a guy who reads one bad record deal after another, I get to be some fantastic artist's general counsel advising them along Absolutely. the way. And yeah, look at, I can't uh, think of a more fun way to practice. Yeah, look at all the reality shows, American Idol, The Voice, America's Got Talent, things like that. And, and we, know that, we know that they have contracts that they make the performers, the contestants, whatever you want to call them, signed. So, I mean, right off the bat, listeners, you know, to, to Ryan's point, obviously that's a case of where, you know, and I've seen one of those where it's, I think, 53 pages long. And 
you know, that's where you really got to do a gut check and say, okay, uh, this is overwhelming. I need an attorney to look at this for me. And you're not, mind you, they're not going to change it. Fox is not going to change a contract for John Doe, singer, songwriter in, in Topeka, Kansas. Uh, but at least the, the lawyer can interpret it for you and tell you what you're signing. And so, you know, yeah, to your point, Ryan, as you say, certainly, um, you know, you're you're not just someone that's there to look at record deals. And and thank you, by the way, uh, unbeknownst to you, you, you teed this up nicely. This was not set up, listeners. But Ryan, having <laughs> just mentioned uh, Nam, um, as as hopefully those of you listeners who have been with me for a bit know, uh, I was out at Nam in January in California, and we have a whole series of episodes that I recorded live out there. Those would be episodes 156 through and including 167. And in particular, I wanted to speak to something that Ryan said. Episode 166, uh, it was both Karen Waldrop as well as the Americana slash folk duo Witherward. And Ashley Norton, Ashley E. Norton from Witherward, we talked about the fact that way back when she was on episode six of this show, she had just signed a record deal. And so here it was, you know, a couple of years later, and I said, by the way, you know, you're in Witherward now, but whatever became of that record deal that you signed way back when you were on, on Now Hear This Entertainment, all the way back on episode six, and she said, what happened was the record label never did anything for me at all. They did zero. Uh, but, you know, Ryan, you'd, you'd be interested to know that she did say that when she signed the agreement, it was very, she made sure that she was only going to sign it if it was very Ashley Norton favorable. And she said to get out of it required absolutely nothing. And they walked away and said, stinks that you never did anything for me, but oh, well, you know, at least, I think it was only a year or something. So relatively easy for her to walk away. Well, that's very, very fortunate for her. And I'm thrilled to hear that. Unfortunately, there's so many artists on the other side of this who get stuck in these deals, these you know, five album, three album deals where the label basically decides how long they want the agreement to be. It can be a one album deal or a three album deal. And so they have the control of how long you're stuck in that. And to make matters worse, the label in most of these label deals has full control over how the recording progress process progresses. You know, they can decide, well, you know what? We don't think we want to get you in the studio right now. We don't think what you got going on is marketable. We don't hear a single. We're going to drag this out. And for every case that you know that you speak of with your colleague, there are cases like what's happening with Kesha, for example, who is seems to be perpetually stuck in an exclusive recording agreement with uh, Dr. Luke, a person who might have abused her. And mm. whether or not the abuse allegations are true, just speaking of it from a contractual standpoint, She's stuck in an arrangement where she can't easily record with others and can't get out of the deal. And here's wow. here's what is the most troubling aspect about record contracts. All right, think about any other business transaction that exists under the sun. Okay. In almost any other business transaction, the law provides, or I should say in any other business relationship, the law provides a way for the parties to easily get out mm. if things get toxic, True. all right? If, yes. if Kesha and Dr. Luke were employer and employee, Kesha could quit. Dr. Luke could fire her. If Kesha and Dr. Luke were business partners in this recording enterprise, either of them could move to wind up and dissolve the partnership. But an exclusive recording agreement doesn't have any of that. It is, you're stuck in this deal as long as Dr. Luke wants to keep you in this deal no matter how abusive or exploitative the arrangement mm. gets. And that's no way to do business. Yeah, great, great comparison, by the way. I, I like that. I, just to, to, so so is, the, is your book meant to be a, once you 
purchase this book and read it, you're all set type of tool? Or is it more kind of an introduction that perhaps can point an indie musician in the right direction? I guess where I'm going with this is, you know, there is a disclaimer, so to speak, at the beginning that it does not constitute legal advice. So is that disclaimer in there to protect you, the author, or is it to let the reader know this is not the be all end all? Or, or maybe actually it's in there for both reasons. Well, it's, it's certainly in there to protect me. I can't have a, a relationship with a client unless that client signs an engagement letter and I'm advising them on specific information. Music industry books, including mine or any of the other fantastic books that are out there, are useful in terms of general advice. But in terms of a specific legal or business situation, there's no substitute for a trained professional. And I would love to be able to say that my book is the last book you'll, the last thing you'll ever need to read on the music industry. And I do believe that there's a lot of great stuff in there. I interviewed a lot of fantastic independent artists who gave me so much wonderful insight. And I, of course, throw a lot of, you know, legal analysis that I've translated so that, you know, a non-lawyer can understand it. But the learning process for independent artists is never ending. You know, once you read through my book, I, I can hope that it is the start of a, a long journey of learning. I mean, for a, anybody who wants to succeed in any industry has to be a lifelong learner. And luckily for independent artists, there is so much great information out there. There's so many great blogs, Hypebot, Sonic Bids, your podcast, everything that Ari Hurston is doing. There's so much great information that almost anything you want to be able to do, if there's something you don't know how to do, there's a blog out there that can help get you informed so that at least when it comes to the time that you do need to hire a professional like me, you're going to you're gonna know what I'm talking about and you're going to be able to communicate with me on a somewhat equal level and put yourself in a great position to be the boss of your career. Nicely said, nicely said. And, and listeners, let the record show that uh, Ryan and I are meeting each other for the first time here and now in this conversation. So uh, we don't have any kind of relationship. We don't know each other prior to this. Um, but at the same time, I do agree wholeheartedly with what he's saying. As, as as much as I pride myself on being the hardest worker that you'll find, and and I do do an awful lot independently, as Ryan is is suggesting, you just can't do everything on your own. And, and eventually, you do need to seek out other people, whether it's just to have a sounding board or, or in Ryan's case, whether it's hiring a professional to give you the, the direction that you need. Heck, even something like, and, and yes, this is a shameless plug, but I but I love seeing it bear fruit. The, the, the NHTE listeners Facebook group that we have, as I was coming to the studio today, I saw this real hearty discussion going on in there about all these musicians who are talking with each other about the challenges of booking themselves. And so the point there is, you can't do everything in a vacuum, even if it is just to say, hey, is anyone else out there finding this to be the case? And, and then as Ryan said, you do things like you read books like his, you read blogs, and, and you get yourself to the point where when you start talking to other people, you kind of know that you're working from the basis of, of a solid foundation and not just, gee, I never come out of my house. I never talked to anybody and I'm going to sound pretty stupid, but you know, here goes my question. <laughs> and all of a sudden people look at you <laughs> like, wow, where is this person coming from? Uh, but that being said, Ryan, what, what you said, you, you know, that you wish that, that your book was the last one people would need to read. Do you foresee writing a second book that, that might be, you know, real nuts and bolts on, on, you know, go to this website and click here or call this bureau and request form number X or, or you know, more of just a, a deep dive on, on navigating the any music waters? Or is it, you know, no, Bruce, this, this, this book will be my one and only no sequel. 
It's funny, I've actually given a lot of thought to that in the last few weeks. And I thought, the more I've gotten into this business, the more I realize I have to learn. Like, you know, the, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. And from doing my Break the Business podcast, which has been going on for almost two years now, and having and interviewing, you know, close to a hundred folks in the music industry, I've learned so much from them. And there's always going to be more opportunities for me to write things. I've, I've actually thought about another book, you know, kind of continuing the Break the Business tradition, in which I interview ten prominent independent artists mm. and really dig deep into their careers and find out what their strategy for success is. And not only to kind of see like what the commonalities are, you know, the seven habits of highly effective indie musicians, but Mm -hmm. also to kind of show musicians out there that there's not one recipe for success anymore. It's success in the music industry can look like many different things. You could be somebody who's a touring hound and just make a ton of money on the road, or you could be an artist who makes a ton of money on licensing or merchandising, or is got a amazing crowdfunding platform using things like Patreon. And I, I think it'd be useful to be able to show indie artists the many different paths to success that are now available in the new music industry, and that's become a huge interest of mine. Yeah, interesting. And and I like those examples you were giving. You know, I've I've always said that what this podcast is, is me interviewing a guest who's having success in the entertainment industry, parentheses, primarily music. And some people look at that and they say, well, you know, where's Bruce Springsteen? Where's Bon Jovi? Where's Katy Perry? You're not interviewing people like that. And I say, well, and I've said this on, on some episodes is, you know, you define success yourself this guy's definition of success is going to be different from this guy's, which is going to be different from this girl's, which is going to be different and so on down the line. You know, look at, uh, in the early days of this show, I used to refer people an awful lot back to episode 27, Chrissy Chase. She lives in North Carolina. You've never heard of her, but she, at the time, and so this number's probably gone up, she had had approximately 30 songs placed on the Nickelodeon net- network. So, you know, as you're saying, Ryan, there are people who are having success in the music industry that, it doesn't just mean the traditional success model that people think of. They're putting out records, they're going on tour, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Well, and that's, and also it's kind of an old model. I mean, mark my words, a decade or two from now, the Katy Perry success, like that's not Katy Perry, Ed Sheeran, that's not going to be the definition of success. The labels are going to get smaller and they're going to continue to consolidate and, as you know, recorded music becomes less and less of a revenue stream, and artists are going to have to find other ways to make a living in this business outside of just hitting the record deal lottery and <laughs> being the next Katy Perry. And so, I think your podcast does a service by not having Katy Perry on the show because that's not going to be the model going forward. And, and frankly, we know how Katy Perry and Ed Sheeran get famous. They, they, they're one of the few people that, you know, the record deal works out for them. They win the record label lottery and, (laughs) you know, they build success from that. But folks like you and me, we don't write books saying, you know, try to, you know, play the lottery as many times as possible and maybe you'll hit the jackpot. Yeah, Yeah. That's, you know, that, that's not a very useful advice. We need to show people how to run businesses effectively, how to run their marketing effectively, how to how to hyper-create, make as much music as possible, 
how to collaborate with others, how to network, and more importantly, how to structure your operation in a way that's legally sound and efficient and effective so that it can support additional growth. All right, again, let me set the record straight. If anyone out there knows Katy Perry, I'd be happy to have her on the show. <laughs> John Mayer, Bruce Springsteen, John Bon Jovi, all of the above are all fair game. I'm, I'm willing to make an exception, break the format. Uh, Ryan, congratulations. You, you must be excited. I mentioned in the intro that the audiobook version of Break the Business is about to come out. Will it be your voice reading the book? And for anyone out there thinking of doing an audiobook, how easy is it or, or isn't it maybe to put out an audiobook? Uh, for better or for worse, it is my voice that you will be hearing. Nice. And I will say this because I've never, I've never been in a band. I've never recorded a music project. As as I told, as uh, you said, I'm a, I'm a kind of a casual musician. And so when I did the audiobook, it was my first time in a professional recording studio, and it was so much harder than I thought it would mm. be. I thought I'd get through that whole book in a day, and um, you know, just oh, read. How hard is reading? I read all the time. And sure enough, um, apparently I can't read, as I found out <laughs> when I was recording that, because I was I would I would mess up the same word over you know words over and over again. You know, my book is is unfortunately filled with the word cross collateralization because oh that's a, a common term in record contracts, and I must have messed that word up about ten or fifteen times in a row. But I mean, the longer you're in there, your mouth dries up, you get you know you get cotton mouth. Yeah, you sweat under the <laughs> studio lights and there's no air conditioning. And it took me about three or four six-hour days to get wow. through the whole book wow. because I kept making mistakes and things like that. And so if you're going to make an audiobook, budget for more time than you think you're going to need and find a very patient engineer. <laughs> well, is, is the studio, are they the ones that are actually – handling the logistics and, and turning it into an audiobook and getting it out in distribution? Or are you the indie uh, audiobook creator that's, that's you know, all they did is record it for me, Bruce. I'm the one that's got to get it out there. That's absolutely, well, it, how hypocritical would it be <laughs> True. if I, you True. Know, if I, if I, if I was the indie art, indie music lawyer, break the business podcast host. And then I was like, yeah, I put my podcast out on Arista records. Cause you know, <laughs> I mean, those guys are great. You know, I signed the deal right away and I'm an audiobook narrator. Now no, I'm putting it out myself. Um, I, I'm happy that I, I own the rights to everything I've written, my books, my podcasts. I will hire folks to help me get those things out there, but I never give up my rights to my intellectual property because it's the most important property you're going to have as an artist. And even though I will delegate, I'm always the boss of my career and make all the decisions. And that's the same model that artists should uh, embody in their work. Nice. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment Guest Line from Miami is lawyer, writer, podcaster, and teacher Ryan Carella. His book is called Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Check out www.breakthebusiness.com. There is a button there to take you to Amazon to purchase it. Of course, you'll also want to look for it as an audiobook starting this Friday, June 2nd. Also on that website, breakthebusiness.com, you will see Ryan's Break the Business podcast, which is available on SoundCloud, which of course is one of the platforms that the show is available on. You can find Ryan on Twitter too. Look for his Twitter handle on the contact page of his website. As much as we do want you to purchase his book, if you are going to go to Amazon, I would prefer if you go to nhte.net, click on the tall 
Amazon banner to get there. Anything that you're going to buy from Amazon, for that matter, even if it's three weeks after you bought his book and you're going back to Amazon to buy something else, go to nhte.net, click on the tall Amazon banner, and give a small kickback to the show. I am most grateful for your consideration of a contribution to this podcast through our Patreon campaign. It's at patreon.com slash nhte, or just go to our website, nhte.net, and there is a Patreon button there that you can click on to get over there. It is right next to the group, excuse me, the button for the Facebook group that I mentioned before. If you're just looking on Facebook, it's called NHTE Listeners, but you can also get there by going to nhte.net and click on the button that says join our Facebook group. Podcast at nhte.net is the way to get in touch via email. That's podcast at nhte.net. Be sure to sign up for the e-newsletter at nhte.net. And of course, do subscribe to the show and tell a friend about it. You can listen at nhte.net, but there are also icons there to go get it instead from iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, and TuneIn Radio. And of course, there are also buttons there at nhte.net for our social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Ryan, I was mentioning your website, and I referenced the contact page. You are licensed to practice law in Florida, New York, and California. So this is a two-part question, I guess. First, if a listener wants to get in touch with you, is the email address that's on breakthebusiness.com the best way to do that, or is there another method that you prefer? And and I guess, for that matter, uh, do you offer an initial free consultation by chance or, or no? Or is is it a, is it a case of please don't send me legal questions and and then secondly, if you are open to listeners who are musicians contacting you, can they only be from Florida, New York, or California? Um, that's a fantastic question. I you can absolutely reach me at that email address. I answer pretty much all the emails I get. It takes me a long time, but frankly, any person who is interested enough in me to want to reach out to me, I at least owe them a response back. Depending on the client's situation and issue, I may or may not be able to help them. And um, you know, depending on the area of law, and you know, each law sort, each state sort of differs on the extent to which I can practice there. But I almost always give free consultations, and in you know, many cases, I I, I do a lot. Pretty much all my pro bono work is for. Uh, independent musicians. And now I know now that I've said that there's going to be a bunch of <laughs> emails uh, asking for pro bono work. My, my pro bono dance card is very full, unfortunately. I'm sure, I'm sure. But um, I, I, I do try to give advice wherever I can. And if it's something I don't know, which happens, I will always try to refer to an artist to somebody who can be more helpful to them. I've built quite a network of music professionals in um, both in on the music side and the business side. And I truly am passionate about helping musicians however I can. I've always loved musicians. I have a bunch of musician friends and you know from my days in high school of just always wanting to be the guy to hang around the band. <laughs> that that spirit has kind of stayed with me. I, I thankfully realized at a very young age that the way I was going to do things in music was not on the music side and I realized, man, I got to hit the books <laughs> if I want to continue helping out musicians. And that brought me to my career in law. But I do, I do admire musicians very much. And you know, they make life wonderful and worth living. And so it is my pleasure to help them however I can. Okay. So then to clarify, can they only email you if they're in Florida, New York, or California? Or can they be in Minnesota or even Canada or the UK? 
Oh, I love hearing from people from Canada. Um, reach out to me from anywhere, and okay. uh, I will, okay. and we'll see if we can help you out. Okay, good, uh, listeners. I promised you a reference to other episodes of this show that will be of similar interest. Here they are, and and by these, I'm I'm referring to guests who talked more from the business side rather than the performing side. That's why I feel that they would be complimentary episodes for you to listen to in addition to what Ryan and I are in the process of talking about. This list is not all-inclusive, though, so if you want recommendations on a couple others, send an email to podcast at nhte.net to request those. Anyhow, episode eight with Dominic Pages. He talked a lot about the recording studio environment and what to prepare for that way. Episode 10, and I know these are old, but they they stand the test of time. It's still very good information, very helpful. Episode 10, June McHugh talked from the publishing side of the business. Episode 17, Bruce Barker talked from the radio side of things. Episode 24, Johnny Garcia, yes, the lead guitar player for Garth Brooks, he really spent most of that interview talking with me and to the listeners about business stuff. So those are four examples to get you started, episodes 8, 10, 17, and 24, but just send an email if you want to ask for others. Uh, Ryan, let's talk about your podcast. As of today, you've put out 86 episodes. What can listeners expect when they listen to the Break the Business show? Well, one of the things we try to do on the Break the Business podcast, so it's me and my co-host Dave, uh, David. He's also a he's also a lawyer as well. And one of the things that we try to do is create an environment where musicians can learn about the business side of the music industry and the legal side of the music industry in a way that is specifically catered to indie artists. And we try to put kind of a fun spin on it. We talk a lot about pop culture as well. We try to mix in some things going on outside the music world only because we know that if we just fill your life with a bunch of dry music industry and law news, you're going to get bored. Your mm. ADD is going to set in. So we try to mix it up and sprinkle it and make you laugh along the way. <laughs> and we also interview a lot of prominent folks in the music industry on the indie artist side, on the business side to try to bring in their insight as well. And uh, we have a lot of fun. You know, we, we, even though we give a lot of serious advice, we endeavor not to take them ourselves too seriously. There's uh, way too much serious stuff out in the world, and it's nice to have places where you can have fun and learn about uh, moving your career forward as well. So that's kind of what we do. That's great. And obviously, listeners, I gave you the website address, and I mentioned SoundCloud. Other platforms, though, Ryan, where listeners can also find your podcast? So we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You search Break the Business Podcast, it'll just come up in 100 different places. And it's also available at breakthebusiness.com. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment, where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is... I've talked about the importance of communication, timely communication, but today I want to emphasize the need to be willing to give out your phone number. Email is great, but sometimes people prefer telephone contact, but more importantly, when time is tight, it's really best for someone to know they can reach you by phone. Don't cop an attitude of being a celebrity and your phone number needing to be a state secret. As much as you should answer your phone when it rings, there's always voicemail if you're so insistent on screening calls. But even then, call back right away, otherwise an opportunity might be given to someone else. Put your phone number in your email's electronic signature, have it on your business card, include it on your website. Do whatever you can to be reachable by phone. Believe me, it's frustrating to not be able to call someone who isn't answering your emails because you don't have their phone number. 
And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. How about that? Helpful? There are a whole bunch of tips just like that over all the prior episodes of this show. To make it easy for the listeners out there who are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers to get the tips in one concise format, there is a Bruce's Bonus Book Volume 1, Volume 2, and Volume 3 for purchase in ebook format, giving you all the tips from episodes 1 to 40, 41 to 80, and 81 to 120, respectively. Just go to www.brucesbonusbook.com for online ordering and instant delivery. Ryan, how worried are you? And and mind you, I I, I mean, how worried are you out of genuine concern, not out of, oh, I'm going to lose business. But how worried <laughs> are you about so many people relying on the internet for answers that they figuratively and literally are going to take to the bank, meaning in your case, matters that they should be consulting an entertainment attorney for? How do How do they know what is a reputable source and is accurate versus what is not the best place to be getting answers from? Because so many people, you know, for us Android users, everything is, okay, Google, you know, and then you ask your question, or, or if you're sitting at your computer, you, you type it in. How worried are you about, about people relying on the internet for answers? And, and, and they're, they're going to take like, okay, here it is. It's, it's like the old, you know, it must be true. I saw it in the newspaper. <laughs> well, I'm a huge fan of the democratization of information that we're seeing in the new music industry. I mean, 20, 30 years ago, or even you know, more recently than that, this information was impossible for musicians to find. And I love that there are so many resources out there. And I mean, and even though you didn't ask me about this directly, it, I, I don't feel that it does take business away from me. What it does do is it brings more informed musicians to me that mm. care a lot more and are more interested in what's happening in their career. They really see themselves as responsible for their success as opposed to just being a a princess waiting in the castle for somebody to rescue them in this music industry. <laughs> and in terms of being able to distinguish between the good sources and the not so good sources, yes. there are certainly a lot of great platforms out there that you do want to uh, hit up. And we spoke about some of them. You can't go wrong with Ari Hurston. Uh, he, I, I submit to you there may be no musician that is more knowledgeable on how to succeed as a DIY musician, although I'm not a big fan of that term, um, than Ari is. Uh, he's so knowledgeable and he learned these things by doing. He, so, you know, he didn't, you know, he doesn't have the, a fancy degree. He learned these things by being out there in the trenches and doing it. And he's been so gracious about sharing that information with all of you as musicians. So, um, Ari's Take is his platform. It is so, so, so good. Uh, you have podcasts like Bridge the Atlantic, which is a very, very good show. Uh, the DIY Musician, your show, of course. Um, those Thank are you. great ones. Sonic Bids blog is fantastic. Hypebot, Bandzoogle blog. These are, there's, there are a lot of great resources. Yeah. And all these people who create these platforms, you can follow them on Twitter and most of them are going to respond if you if uh, if you have general questions for them. I know because I bother them all the time with questions, <laughs> and they are always happy to reach out to me. Okay, so so, so then so yeah. then on that note, what do you hear as as the most common question people are contacting you with these days? M meaning indie musicians, of course. Ooh, um, the most common question I get, and this is you're going to think this is a cop out because it's a it's such a general question, but it's what is the most important thing I should be doing for my music career? Really? Oh, because 
one of the consequences of there being so much information out there mm-hmm. is a lot of musicians don't even know where to start. Wow. You know, it's like, oh, should I be, should I be doing YouTube videos? Should I be making social, should I be investing in my social media? Should I be hiring a PR company? And the answer I give to them, and it's a frustrating answer for musicians, but I'm telling you, it's a hundred percent right. The most important thing you can do is make music. Lots and lots of music. And I don't mean make music in this general sense of, oh, you have to be a creator. I mean, no, you need to make a ton of music. Uh, a consequence of this new music industry where it's easier than ever to make and release and distribute and promote and fund your music is that there's so much stuff out there. And so you need to be making music constantly to clut- cut through the clutter. You need to be a prolific content creator. You can't just be one of these artists that puts out an album every two or three years, um, as you used to be able to do 20, 10, 20 years ago, because in that time, your fans are going to forget about you. There's so much stuff out there. What you need to be doing is, you know, what I call hyper creating, where there are artists out there who are making a new song every week or at least every month, or somebody like Jonathan Mann, who's been putting out a song every day for about eight and a half years that he's, he's a crazy person, but he's brilliant. (laughs) And a question that might be asked from that is, how can you create that often and it still be good? And what I say in my experience working with musicians is you're able to create good stuff because you create that often. Creativity is a muscle. The more you use it, the stronger it gets. And conversely, mm. if you don't create, that muscle atrophies yeah, and your like stuff's it. not as good. I like it. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by your answer. And, and, and it's, it's definitely not what I expected to hear because I would think – that people would say, well, this guy's an attorney, so uh, if, if he's going to give me a free consultation, i got to make my, my question count. And I thought you were going to say it either had to do with copyright issues or, or maybe that old nonsense about, you know, can I mail it to myself? Or I thought you were going to say, uh, I thought you were going to say that most people contact you with questions about, you know, hey, I want to license, you know, an, an Elton John song to, to record it uh, on my next album, do a cover of blah, blah, blah. So uh, so it's interesting, um, you know, what, what you did describe there. And, and, and I love the answer that, that you said that you give to people. I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Miami is lawyer, writer, podcaster, and teacher Ryan Carella. His book is called Break the Business, Declaring Your Independence and Achieving True Success in the Music Industry. Check out www.breakthebusiness.com. There is a button there to take you to Amazon to purchase it. Of course, you will also want to look for it as an audiobook featuring Ryan's voice. It starts this Friday, June 2nd, availability. Also on that website, breakthebusiness.com, you will see Ryan's Break the Business podcast, which is available on SoundCloud, iTunes. He listed all the platforms there, but uh, SoundCloud, of course, is one of the platforms that the show is available on, just like iTunes. You can find Ryan on Twitter, too. Look for his Twitter handle on the contact page of his website. Remember that if you are going to Amazon for anything at all, not just Ryan's book, there is a Amazon banner at nhte.net that you can click on to get over there and get a generate a small kickback to our show. Or you can just contribute directly to us through our Patreon campaign. It's patreon.com slash nhte. There's also a Patreon button at nhte.net right alongside the button to go to our NHTE listeners Facebook group, although there are 
a lot of musicians joining that group too. Podcast at nhte.net is the email address if you want to make contact. Again, I gave out that list of episodes before. If you want others, do write to podcast at nhte.net for some other suggestions. nhte.net is also where you can sign up for the e-newsletter, the full list of other platforms where we are available. If you don't want to listen at nhte.net, perhaps to take it on the go with you, is iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio. Do subscribe and tell a friend. There's buttons for those at nhte.net. Or just like Ryan said for his podcast, you can just search on those platforms for Now Hear This Entertainment. And of course, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all fair game in terms of social media platforms to engage with us. Look for icons to click on to get to all of those at nhte.net. Ryan, I have talked with guests on this show before about how getting a record deal would be nice, but it's not the be-all, end-all anymore, which you had alluded to earlier on. And, and it's so rare these days that it really shouldn't be the focus for an aspiring artist anyways. And, and in my opinion, from reading your book, it, it's I, I think it's safe to say that, you know, that's really kind of the foundation that your book is built from, yes? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's That was the beginning, you know, when I, when I set out to write this book, the first thing I knew was that I believe these record deals to be destructive. I saw them, you know, adversely affecting musicians that I worked with that I cared about. And, you know, and, I, and I, I told my my girlfriend at the time, now my wife, that, you know, I wanted to write a book about, you know, why record contracts are terrible. And one of the things she told me is, well, that's fine and good, but what, you know, you have to be able to tell them what to do next. I mean, mm. if, if you're telling them to rip up the record contract, like what's, what's the other plan? And I was stumped <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I, I, I've spent years training myself in the specialized skill of law and contracts and doctrine and procedure. And I didn't know the first thing about being a musician. And so I had to call in experts. And thankfully, I found a lot of artists who were willing to sit down and let me talk to them and pick their brain. And you know, I did a lot of research and basically used their insight to create the second half of the book. After the first half of record deals, not good, you then get to the second half, which is how to do it on your own, how to be a boss, how to take control of your own career. And the more that I, ha and then after that, we did the podcast to kind of build off of what was in the book. And the longer I've been doing the podcast and re reinforcing the ideas in the book, the more confident I've become in my arguments and in my findings in the book. And, um, and even in the coming years and only a couple of years since, uh, you know, the books come out, the, it's only gotten easier to achieve success in the music industry. There are more tools now than there were even a couple of years ago to achieve success on your own terms. When I first wrote that book, Patreon, the platform that you, you're talking about that your podcast uses, mm -hmm. was in its infancy. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the persons I one of the people I interviewed said, Oh, and there's this new thing out called Patreon and it looks kind of cool and we'll see what it does. And now we're <laughs> seeing what it's doing, where yeah. you have folks like Amanda Palmer who are building whole careers on this spectacular crowdfunding platform. I had Jack Conte from Patreon on my podcast uh, a few months ago, and I asked him, um, do you think Patreon is going to be, you know, this kind of crowdfunding where it's, you know, week to week, month to month, project by project, constant crowdfunding, is that going to be the way the new wave of the industry and how artists principally make their income in the future? Or do you just see it as just one of many kind of revenue generating possibilities? And the answer he gave me shocked me. He said, I think I think I'm betting on Patreon. I think this is where the industry is going. I think wow. we're going to see a 
completely fundamental shift in how artists uh, support themselves in their career. Mm. Yeah, I can't, and, I can't disagree with that. I mean, yeah, it just it gives you an idea of how fast this industry is moving. And all the more reason for me to have to write another book eventually because <laughs> uh, with each passing day, you know, yeah, the things yeah. we write can get out of date and yeah. get obsolete. Well, you know, I like that you said that that your then girlfriend said, well, you know, if you're going to do this, you got to get offer up some solutions because <clears throat> I've done my own kind of self audit and I've realized that a lot of the advice, the opinions that I give out, be it the Bruce's bonus segment on this show, which turned into the the Bruce's bonus book uh, ebook series, or if it's the blogs that I write every Monday on nhte.net, I always feel like I'm telling people what not to do. But I've kind of <laughs> I've kind of cut myself a break and said, well. You're not not telling people what to do. If you're saying, look, it's going to be a bad image if you go up on stage smoking and drinking, well, essentially you're telling people, go up on stage, perform, and the implication is don't smoke and don't drink. Now, you know, it, it comes across as, well, you're telling us what not to do, but what should we do? Well, it's kind of the, one and the same. So, <laughs> you, you know, you're right in terms of, of offering up some solutions. I, I guess, Ryan, if, if you had to point to one mistake because before you were saying uh, everybody contacts you with the question of, you know, what should I be doing? If you had to point to one mistake that you think is most common that indie musicians are making as it, as it relates to something that you've observed from a legal viewpoint, what would what would be that, that one mistake that you think is the most common one that indie musicians are making? Yeah, let me give you a, let me let me give a legal tip because I feel like uh, your audience is getting gypped here. It's like, oh, you got a lawyer on, and he's just talking about why it's important to make music. Come on, uh, <laughs> you know, use that use that fancy degree of yours, lawyer boy. All Go right. for it. Go for it. I want to talk about something that you uh, brought up, and I want to expound upon this point because I, sure. I consider it a public service announcement of mine awesome. to bring this up on every podcast I ever do awesome. because it is a question I get a lot from artists. So, okay. uh, artists. Anyone within the sound of my voice, heed my words. <laughs> Don't mail your songs to yourself. <laughs> yeah. Please. Um, yeah, because, I mean, artists will ask me all the time, you know, what do I have to do to copyright my work? And what I tell them is it's not a, you know, what you're asking is not how you copyright your work, but how do you protect your work? Because under the law, you have a copyright from the moment you create the work, or as the fancy lawyer people call it, fixate your work onto a tangible <laughs> medium of expression. So the moment you record it into a tape recorder or write your sheet music on a sheet of paper, boom, you have a copyright. It has magically happened. But guess what? It's not worth anything or not worth much of anything yet because you don't get really strong legal protections for your copyright, like statutory damages or uh, prima facie proof that your copyright exists unless you register it in the copyright office. And that doesn't mm -hmm. mean mail your songs to yourself. That yeah. is fundamentally useless. It doesn't give you any legal protection. Was it was that ever was that ever legal or, or is that just an old wives tale? Cuz I know obviously we, we want to direct people to copyright.gov, but is does does that perpetuate itself because at some point it was um it's never been in American law. I can't speak to huh. But, but I mean, so my, my best guess is old wives tale and it yeah. is pervasive. I remember being in my high school guitar class and my high school guitar teacher, who, by the way, fantastic, uh, really smart, knowledgeable guy. He thought that, you know, he said, oh yeah, you don't need to you wow. know, go to the copyright office. Just mail your songs wow. to yourself. And I remember, you know, 15 year old me sitting there nodding my head. Oh, he's so he's brilliant. <laughs> All right, cool. And I didn't find out until law school that you can't do that. <laughs> um, you want those legal protections. And I know many artists are saying, but that sounds really complicated. Well, unlike 
almost everything else involved with dealing with the government, <laughs> registering your copyrights is actually really easy. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you, know, you, you go to copyright.gov. It's a simple form to fill out. If you write your own songs and record them, you can actually get the copyright for the sound recording and the musical composition, the song you wrote, at the same time with one form. Uh, application fee is $35. And you can actually, if you've you know made a bunch of songs, you can put all of those songs into one application yep. and register it as what's known as a compilation work for that same $35 price. Um, so the government's made it super easy for you. And considering the legal protections you get from registration, it's something you absolutely want to do. So thank you, by the way, for for doing that. And and I'll and I'll go for broke here and, and double dip and and go back to the go back to the question of of is there something that you think is the most common mistake that indie musicians are making? And then and then I guess you know what what free legal advice would you like to give out on that? Or or maybe it's not even it doesn't even take a legal perspective, Bruce. They just need to to this. So uh, we we need another piece of legal advice well here. just right, uh, so. just you know what what do you from your and I, and I guess from a legal viewpoint but what, but what do you witness the most that that any musicians are, are committing the same mistake over and over from from one guy to the next gal to the next indie musician on down the line well oh here's another good one um, we'll stay in the copyright land because ultimately copyright is the mo- is going to be the most important thing because it's the most important piece of property you have it's it's the it's from which all of your value in the music industry is derived, is the rights to your music. Um, you don't make any money without your content. And then, so it's not a question of whether, you know, your content creates value. It's how you're going to make the most of that value. And so, you know, are you going to just give that copyright to a record company and have them make money and pay you a tiny bit? Or are you going to find a bunch of exciting ways to leverage that content by selling it, by licensing it, by creating videos with your music content? And so one of the things that you have to make sure of, especially when we talk about this world of collaboration, how it's so important to collaborate more and more, is make sure that you have good paperwork in place for when you do write songs with others. Um, when what I mean by that is something known as a split sheet. So when you write a song with a co-collaborator, make sure that you've all have a split sheet document that talks about, that has the title of the song, talks about who all the writers are, and talks about who owns what, who owns a, you know, what percentage do you own? What percentage do I own? How much of that is, you know, who owns X percent of the top line, music, lyrics, make sure all of that stuff is settled because you might think that you and the person you wrote with have an understanding on how all that's going to work. But guess what? Things always change when money comes in (laughs) and suddenly ironclad memory gets a little fuzzy when the dollars start rolling in. And you always wind up with situations where somebody else that wasn't part of the writing process decides that they were part of the writing process. And it can be useful to have a document that makes all of that stuff clear. And there are plenty of resources online where you can get split sheets. You can get them from a a good entertainment lawyer. There's also a platform called Song Splits, which I'm a huge fan of, that does all of this stuff with a computerized online interface. And I think Song Splits is a great platform to use, super user-friendly, and can take care of this split sheet problem for musicians. Awesome. Well, uh, Ryan, just two final questions here, and then we'll let you go. Number one is, you are a graduate of the New York University School of Law, where you received the Jack J. Katz Memorial Award for Excellence in Entertainment Law. And you are also a summa cum laude graduate of the University of Miami School of Business. So 
now is this career everything that you wanted it to be? Is 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 your reward as your as your book might imply? Is your reward saving musicians from the sharks who are out there? I feel like I'm on a psychiatrist's couch now. Well, because you know, people would say he's a lawyer. <laughs> his his reward is his paycheck. But you know, I mean, you just sound. And and we talked about this. Uh, I think it was last week on, on the interview with Nicole Maduro about the the sales trainer whose presentation that I sat on sat in on recently, which was so refreshing. And a sales trainer telling a room for, full of salespeople that you have to have a servant's heart, which I just loved because it's the last thing you'd expect to hear a sales trainer saying to a room full of salespeople. And I think I even referred to that in one of my recent blogs. So that's why, you know, you and I are just meeting each other for the first time, but you, you seem like the kind of person that, that, that that's your reward, saving musicians from, from all the sharks that are out there and, and not just, you know, picking up a, an attorney's paycheck. Well, I don't purport to be an expert on happiness, Bruce, but there are two things that I follow that, um, guide me in what I do. And i fancy myself a happy person. Um, the first is when you were talking about money earlier, I, I truly believe, and there is science that backs this up, that money does not create happiness, but lack of money can create unhappiness. But hmm. the implication of that is that once you hit a certain amount of income, you know, more of it's not going to make you happy. Once you have enough money that your basic needs are met, that you can, you know, maybe take a vacation once a year, once every couple of years, that money's not a stress in your life, mm -hmm. then you have enough. And, you know, making more of it is not going to make you happier and, you know, could create additional stresses as wealth accumulation can. And so, you know, I don't chase money making opportunities that I don't think are going to make me happy and challenge me. The second piece about happiness that I think is worth noting is, um, and this isn't something I came up with. I can't remember where I heard this, but I think it's it's absolutely true. Which is, happiness is not what you does not come from what you get, but it comes from what you give of yourself. Mm -hmm. I get a lot of satisfaction out of helping people, and and whether it's independent musicians, whether it's answering their questions on Twitter, whether it's the class I teach at Doral College where I get to mentor some fantastic young people and, you know, help them and give them career advice and see them grow. That's the stuff that makes me happy. And there really is a satisfaction that is hard to define that when you can devote at least one segment of your life to service. And I'm not saying that the listeners out there have to, you know, go become a monk and give away all your worldly <laughs> possessions and, and serve, serve, serve. No, no. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's money to be made and you, you know, get your money, but you should take some of your life and give back to the next generation, not, and, and, and to give back to others, not because it's the right thing, not just because it's the right thing to do, but because it will give you satisfaction in your life that is beyond the here and the now. And and if you feel like there's something missing, that's what fills it. Nice. Well, uh, let's close on a fun note. I mentioned back in the intro that for fun, you play guitar and ukulele. You mentioned about a guitar teacher, but uh, I wonder how long have you done that? What what type of music do you like to play? And, and, and is it all truly recreational or have you ever actually played out somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the sad part. I've been playing musical instruments since I was... I'd say about 16 years old, so about 15 years. And you would think with you know 15 years into it that I'd be 
pretty dang good. But, you know, I was, you know, I was super into practicing, especially when I was in school and I had to practice for my guitar class. And really just for the last decade, it's just been maintenance. You know? <laughs> in, like the com- in the I, comfort and privacy of your own home, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, play every once in a while. But like when I tell people I've been playing for 15 years and then they hear me play and it doesn't sound like Carlos Santana, they're a little disappointed. <laughs> did he say 15 years or did he say 15 days? Exactly. Sure. You know, but I, I mean, I, I do play well enough that, you know, I can, you know, I, I when I'm, when, you know, I'm at a guitar jam, you know, I can follow along with people and, you know, I know basic, you know, I can do 12 bar blues and things like that. I can read a chord chart and follow along with a song okay, okay. Uh, for the most part. And, and that's good enough for me because cool. I don't have to make any money off of it. And <laughs> every once in a while, somebody, you know, somebody, and by somebody, I mean, usually three or four drinks can rope me into an open <laughs> mic night or something. Um, but that's about as far as it gets. My, my musicianship, or, or I should say my creativity in the music industry is limited solely to what I can do uh, in the legal and business world. Nice. Well, it sounds like you're enjoying it, though, and, and that, as we know, is is extremely important. In the meantime, Ryan, thank you ever so much for your time. I, I really enjoyed this, and I appreciate you coming on now here this entertainment. It was my pleasure, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to lawyer, writer, podcaster, and teacher Ryan Carella. Do check out his website. It's www.breakthebusiness.com. And then, of course, purchase his book, which is available on Amazon. Remember, certainly, that the audiobook version is out as of June 2nd. Check out his podcast, Break the Business, which you will find through his website as well. And follow Ryan on Twitter, the contact page of breakthebusiness.com has his Twitter handle on there. Don't forget to visit www.nhte.net and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too, hopefully accompanied by a five-star rating. That really does help the show a lot. If you are listening on SoundCloud, remember that you can like and share. They call it repost episodes there. And you can also follow on SoundCloud. Engage with the show too. Go to nhte.net and click on the icon to go join the Facebook group. You can also write in via the email address podcast at nhte.net. Get with us on the various social media platforms that you'll find links to at nhte.net. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Please also consider supporting the show with a donation through Patreon. There's a button at nhte.net for that. And check out the t-shirts and hats at nhte.net as well. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. <laughs>